good to see you. Yeah, identity series. If you didn't get a book as you came in or you haven't got your book, please get one. Um, this is where we're at, and we're four weeks down, five and six to go. And how's it going for you? Are you finding that your th thoughts are aligning more with God's thoughts, with what's in his word? Are you finding that? Our life group on, on Wednesday, we, it, was, it was fun. To, it was interesting doing that thing about the sin. And where are you on that timeline with your sin? And we, sort of, we seem to agree, most of us, that for some sins, we're like, oh, no, that's not really a sin. But for other sins, we're like too heavy on ourselves. I don't know how you found you are. And to find, Lord, help me to see sin the way you see it, exactly the way you see it, not the way that I want to see it. But it's, and then I loved at the end, Corrie Ten Boone's quote, that he takes our sin, throws it into the depths of the sea, and says, no fishing. So I hope none of you are fishing for your past sins. It's a, it's a temptation, isn't it? And I think the devil does say, hey, remember you, you, you like this, hey? No, 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 I'm forgiven. <laughs> it's a wonderful place to stand. So in your books, we're now on page 12, and you've got nice blank space to fill in. And on the other side is ready for you for life group tonight. Where are we so far? So we have learned, or we are being provoked, encouraged, that we are a child. I am a child of God. He's my dad. I am a servant of God. He is my master. I am a saint, forgiven holy. He is my Savior. And today, your heading, to, I am a citizen of heaven. He is my King. I am a citizen of heaven. He is my King. As you're writing that down, I wonder what citizenships we have in this building. I'm sure plenty of South African. I'm sure some Zimbabwean. I'm sure some maybe Malawian. Um, I know there's even a Polish in here. I wonder what else? Irish, there you go. I hold a British passport. Uh, my parents, born and bred in England. I was conceived in England, born in Harare, Zimbabwe. So because of that, I have the privilege of having a British passport. And when I've, I have been overseas a few times, and it's been mission trips generally, but they've been, it's been pretty cool because with a British passport, you don't pay for a Schengen visa, you don't pay for various things. But when I go home to the place of my birth, I hold a British passport. Guess what I have to pay to get in? 5,000 rand. <laughs> it's pretty, like I've been born here. <laughs> but that's because I hold British citizenship, hey? It's crazy. So when I go to Zim, my, home, my homeland, it's a serious consideration. It cost me a lot of bucks. But God tells us, the Bible tells us, we, yes, we have an earthly citizenship, but more important, we have a spiritual citizenship. Turn with me, Philippians chapter 3, written by Paul when he was in prison, one of his prison letters, reading verses 18 to 21. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears 
walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Guys, he's talking about a non-Christian there. You're either a Christian or a non-Christian. If you're non-Christian, you walk as an enemy of the cross. Verse 19, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I want you to take note of that, that phrase in verse 19. Minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Again, notice that. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So there are two spiritual kingdoms. I think in this world, we like to think there are three kingdoms. The really fraught ones, yeah, they deserve to go to hell. All us good people. I mean, really, I'm a good person. And then those slightly wacky Christians who are just overboard. Everything's about God. But they aren't. They are just two kingdoms. You're either in God's kingdom or you're in the devil's kingdom. We're born into the devil's kingdom. Our king is the devil. He's not a good dad. He's actually known as the father of lies. That kingdom is known for greed, all about my rights, my feelings, my possessions, my beauty, etc., etc. Notice that? My, my, my. It's me. I'm the number one. But God invites every single person, everyone, come to my kingdom. There's a challenge though. I had to pay for I would have to pay 5,000 rand to go to Zim. The cost of God's kingdom is unreachable. It's too expensive. It's priceless. I can never pay it. Never. But I don't have to. Because the king of heaven, Jesus Christ, came to earth as a man Pay the price, the full price for me on the cross that I have free access into the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. What do I do then? What do I do? I acknowledge I can't get there. In my own steam, my own efforts, being good, I can't get there. But he has done it. He has done it. It is finished. I accept that. I accept that I can't do it. And I surrender my all to him. And I'm a member of his kingdom. Isn't it incredible? So let's look at three characteristics of this kingdom and of us as citizens in this kingdom. Number one, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. Hebrews 11 is known for the hallway of faith. All those incredible men and women who did great exploits for God. But let's look at a piece in that chapter 11, verse 13 to 16. Sometimes we don't notice this. So reading those verses from verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were, what did they say? Strangers and exiles on the earth. 
For people who, thus, who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a, read it with me, better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The hearers of our faith did not see here as home. They understood there is a far better home. You know, there's a saying in the world of you, I'm sure you've maybe it's been said to you, it's been said to me, oh, you're, so, you're so heavenly minded, you know earthly good, you know practical good. Heard that? It's the wrong way around, guys. We tend to be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. That's, what, that's the reality. That's the truth. Don't believe what the world says about us. The difficulty with all of us, I think, is it's difficult to not be earthly-minded. God's called us to be here. He doesn't take us when we're born again. Why? He wants us to make a difference, to, as we sung this morning, to advance his kingdom. That's what God wants us to do. But many of us, and at times and in spaces, our fears and our joys are dependent on here. And we forget the promises of God. And we, we get down and we get depressed because, ugh, this is so bad. But this is not our home. And this is where we shouldn't be putting all our thoughts. There's a lovely story, I believe it's true, about this missionary couple who went to some India or somewhere like that. They'd spent decades, they'd given their whole lives as missionaries, pouring out their lives. And they'd come to the end, and they, were, they came home to America, and they arrived at their hometown, and people knew they were coming. And the wife had an expectation that there'll be, you know, if, you know, when you get to the airport and there's people to greet you and banners and, you know, all that sort of thing. And they walked out and there were a few people, family members, hi, welcome home. And she expressed it she, to her husband. She said, oh, I'm so disappointed. We've come home and, and it's so, there's no, there's no welcome, real welcome. And he said, my darling, this is not our home. <laughs> this is not our home. Incredible, hey? And have you thought how close we are to home? We fear death, but we are one breath away from home. One breath. Billy Graham, we all know Billy Graham. He really got this. I don't know if you've heard this, but he died on, in 2018. He was 99 years old. That's quite a good age, hey? And after his death, a statement was released on behalf of the family by Billy Graham, who was his grandson. Sorry, Billy, his grandson, Will Graham. He said, my grandfather once said, one day you'll hear that Billy Graham has died. Don't you believe it? On that day, I'll be more alive than ever before. I've just changed addresses. <laughs> And then the son, grandson went on to say, my friends, today my grandfather moved from the land of the dead to the land of the living. Today he had the opportunity to realize that hope himself 
kneeling before his Savior and hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. He understood. He understood what it was to be a citizen of heaven. The Bible teaches us the most incredible things when we get to heaven. We're going to have a new body, a brand new body. We're going to never be sick, never be tired, never depleted. There'll be no tears. There'll be no suffering. There'll be no pain. There'll be no bills. (laughs) There'll be no crime. There'll be no load shedding because Jesus himself is the light. That's what's coming. This world is not our home. Heaven is. That's the one. Listen to these statements. I am not primarily a citizen of earth, fighting my way through life, competing with all other seven billion odd people on the planet to get by. I am primarily a citizen of heaven with access to all my king's vast supply of love, kindness, peace, grace. I am not a citizen of earth trying to climb this long ladder to God. I am a citizen of heaven, seated with Christ in heavenly places, bringing his kingdom here on earth. Amen. Amen. Second one, I have unique protection and benefits. Now, in that verse 3, verse 20, Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. And his experience is a really, really interesting one. As you, as you know, he, he was a mission, missionary. He went all around the world preaching the gospel. And when he went to Jerusalem the one time, the Pharisees who hated him because he was preaching Jesus had him arrested. Well, they tried to keep, actually stone him and flog him and kill him. But he was rescued by the Romans. And the Romans were like, what the heck's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And they, they were going to flog him because obviously he's done something bad. So let's flog him. So as they're about to flog him, he says to them, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? What is he referring to? He's referring to his earthly citizenship, Roman citizen. Story goes on, verse 27 of Acts 22. So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes. The tribune said, I bought the citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. What was going on there? As you might know, I'm sure you do, that the whole Roman Empire had taken over a large portion of, the, of that world, Middle Eastern world at that time. They were the conquerors. And they would go in and they would conquer a nation. But those people did not become Roman citizens. They remained non-Roman citizens and they remained you know, lower grade citizens. But as you read from that story, they were, you were able to buy citizenship. For a very lot of money. That's why the Tribune is so proud. I'm, you know, I've, I've bought it. But only those who were born to Roman parents were, were, were citizens by birth. So Paul was born to Roman parents. And that's why he was a Roman citizen by birth. And he had great status. And the, they had to respect it. Because they knew if, they, if you mess with a Roman citizen, you can, you can lose your head. And so 
It's interesting, though, because that's Paul, the, that is in Acts, and that's Luke writing Acts. But Paul, when he writes all of his letters, he never refers to this Roman citizenship. What does he refer to? His spiritual citizenship. Because he knows, yeah, the advantages I have here are real, but there is so much more that I have in my spiritual citizenship, far more than what I have in this Roman citizenship. He had all the protection of that great Roman empire. But as a Christian, as a, as a person in the, in the spiritual kingdom, God's spiritual kingdom of heaven, he had far more benefits. God says so much about our benefits. I'm reading a few. Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 91 verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. Matthew 6, 11 talks about, it's the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. That's who he asked. Ephesians 1, verse 3, he has blessed me in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have unique benefits, unique protection in this heavenly kingdom. He's watching over us. But guys, that doesn't mean it's all going to go smooth sailing. That doesn't mean he's going to actually lead us into danger. Why? Because he is growing us. He is growing our king. He's growing our character. He is pruning us. And sometimes, sadly, the only way we bend, the only way we learn is when it's hard, isn't it? It gets us on our knees. It gets us closer to him. So as much as we want it all to be life, you know, beautiful honey and roses, he's going to sometimes allow us to go through stuff. But, guys, what do we have? In that circumstance, and maybe you today find yourself in a place where you're thinking, but God, why? Why? You have his presence. You have his power. You have his compassion now. You have it. Don't wallow in your hardship. Be in your hardship. Work through your hardship. Knowing his presence, knowing his love, knowing his care. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever, ever. We have unique protection and benefits. And the last one, I have an amazing king. I'm so stoked how God does his timing. I mean, really? Today we're talking about him as king. And it's the day that they, it was Palm Sunday, and they celebrated him as king coming into Jerusalem. How cool is that? He's, his timing is always impeccable, always amazing. And this is the crux of it, guys. Heaven is not an amazing just because, you know, it's all no pain, nice bodies, you know. Yeah, that's all very cool. But you know what the amazing thing is? The king is there. The amazing, awesome king is there. He makes it amazing. 
It is Jesus. He is the crux of the matter. Without Jesus, heaven will be, wouldn't be. Are you, am I in awe? Are we in awe of this king? Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge, that's a real person, pre preached a sermon in Detroit, Michigan. You've probably heard it on YouTube. That's my king. And if a band can come, start to come up, and Terence, it's a really famous sermon. It's got the most incredible words about our king. And I've asked Terry to read it for us. Let's get Lyndon. Sorry, can you just have the mic? Let these words soak in. Every word is biblical. Every word is truth. The Bible says, he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. That's my king. Mm. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is the key of knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the King of Kings, and He's the Lord of Lords. Now that's my King.
and we have an awesome King. Stand with me as I pray. And I think all of us have a response today. The first I want to appeal to, perhaps you don't know this King. Perhaps you are still in this earthly kingdom by being good and by trying harder and by coming to church. That's you can't pay enough. You'll never pay enough. But Jesus has paid the price, the full price. And if you today have never acknowledged that you are a final song, I invite you to come forward, not because this is a holy place, but we surrender, to acknowledge we surrender. It's an act of faith, of surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's come to Jesus. Jesus.